The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Fire Arms Friday, or like we like to call it, Fire Day. <laughs> it's Fire Day here on the old radio ranch. Welcome back to the uh, program. It is uh, it is that one day a week that we dedicate to the Second Amendment and talking about gun rights and uh, and everything else. Uh, we uh, this is the final final fire the finale for the year. This is the final Firearm Friday of this season. And uh, we're hoping to uh, we're hoping to have some great, uh, you know, we're hoping to, hoping to have some great stuff on today, and talk about some good stuff and just <clears throat> get it out of our system for the rest of the year. Uh, it's uh, it should be uh, it should be fantastic. I can't uh, I can't wait uh, for you guys. We're going to start off here in just a few moments with um, uh, with uh, uh, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. He's going to be coming on board and joining us, and we'll be talking about his latest piece. Uh, it, uh, he's got a new one on Hunter Biden, which just came out late yesterday, and uh, and and what's happening with uh, his struggle with gun laws. Uh, he apparently has become a Second Amendment warrior. When we weren't looking, Hunter Bi- Hunter Biden became the new face of uh, of the war on the on the Second Amendment. Uh, and then we're going to talk about his uh, article about the uh, Second Circuit, which is uh, apparently trying to reinterpret Bruin in a little bit of a lighter way. Uh, they, um, they, they, well, anyway, it's a full, it's a full thing. We're going to talk about that as well, and we might even get into uh, California as well. So it's. Uh, it's a jam-packed discussion coming up with Jacob Sellum this morning uh, from Reason Magazine. He'll be joining us here in just uh, in just a few. Uh, then in hour two, we'll uh, we'll take some phone calls. We'll talk with you. We'll see what you have to say on this final Firearms Friday. Maybe you guys can tell us, uh, you know, what you're hoping for under the tree in the way of uh, firepower. Are you looking to? Are you looking to get uh, something new under the tree? And you can tell us all about that. And we'll get a chance to uh, just chit-chat and hang out. And then we will finish up the show with uh, Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. Willie will come on board and uh, we'll do the final entertainment, streaming, and movie report for the end of the year. So that should be that should be a fun a fun time. A fun time will be had by all, uh, and we'll uh, we'll be hanging out and doing that in hour two. 
Okay, um, what is new here to begin with before we get going on too far? Well, uh, three below zero right here at the old homestead this morning. A little, uh, a little chilly, but folks down on the peninsula are expecting something even better. Up to seven inches of snow and winds gusting as high as 40 miles per hour on the Kenai Peninsula. Um, and so a little... Uh, Little cold, little little snow, and even down in Anchorage, even though it's cold, they're expecting another two inches of snow in Anchorage today as well. Uh, I haven't seen the Fairbanks forecast yet, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Just welcome welcome to it, and Merry Christmas, your white Christmas. You could thank me later. This is what I get for asking you all to help me do the snow dance or the anti-snow dance so that we don't have snow till after Halloween, but... Uh, I'm still going to do it next year. That's just that's just how it's that's how it's going to roll around here. Um, I wanted to stay away from the white stuff as much as I could. Um, all right, what else we got? Oh, the holiday recipe contest still going on. <clears throat> we'll announce the winner on Wednesday. And for those of you who haven't heard about it, which I can't imagine, it's many of you if you've listened to the show at all. We have a holiday recipe contest where we share our favorite family recipes. That we, you know, for the holidays that we probably only cook once a year. And um, we, you know, you put it up and you post it in the comments on our Facebook page. We've got a <clears throat> we've got a pin post up there at the top. Um, and you just post your recipe in the comments and then you send it to all your friends so that they come in and share it with you. And they like it and thumbs up it and do everything else. And then whoever is the winner is going to get uh, a chance to, you got either, you can take either a bag of beard curler coffee, which is my own personal coffee blend, and a coffee mug from the show, 6 O'Clock Club Coffee Mug, which, by the way, welcome to. You're all 6 O'Clock Club members. Um, or they can get a pair of certificates to point blank firearms and self-defense for basic pistol courses, uh, which is about a $250 value, I believe, $260 value. Um, and so you and a friend, if you live in the South Central area, you can go to uh, Palmer and, and, uh, take that up at their, at their, uh, uh, at their shop there in Palmer. So you get to choose one or the other and then the runner up gets whatever's left over. So there you go. That's the, that's the thing. That's the whole, that's the dealio. So <clears throat> that's all the housekeeping done for today. What do we got? What's on the agenda? today. Uh, well, the one story that I have to, I mean, I have to laugh over, but it, I mean, it's not funny, but at the same time, it's, I guess I would say this, actions have consequences. I know that's hard to believe. I know it in this day and age that nobody wants to believe that, that if you do something, it's not our fault. It's, it's somebody else's fault. It's always somebody... It's the environment. It's the, it's how we were raised. It's the, it's the victim. It's not us. It's not us. It's, you know, actions have consequences. Enter this story. Remington Firearms. Rem Arms is the name of the actual name of the company for Remington these days. Is shutting down its New York state plant. Now, this isn't news because it's been going on for a long time. Uh, they've been threatening it. They've been, you know, they've been talking about it. And, you know, they finally pulled, the, not to be too punny, but they've pulled the trigger on it. Uh, more than two centuries in a single place is quite a feat. Not many, 
Not many companies can say they spent 200 years in the same location. But here it is. They got it done. But now that's all over. But that isn't the end of it. Now there is a debate uh, over why Remington is moving in, uh, moving its operations completely. Um, Republican leaders, including U.S. Rep. Elise Stefanik and State uh, Senator Mark Walznick, uh, who both represent the village of Ilion, which is where Remington was, have blamed New York's unconstitutional gun grab policies, as Stefanik said, for the company's closure of the plant. Now, Remington Arms, uh, which has uh, been manufacturing there since the original company declared bankruptcy, Rem Arms, which was Remington Arms, the, the, the reorganized company is called Rem Arms, declared bankruptcy in 2020, announced that the closure of the Ilian plant will come with them moving the New York manufacturing operations to their new Georgia headquarters. Uh, Rem Arms is excited to expand our facilities in Georgia, a state that not only welcomes business, but enthusiastically supports and welcomes companies in the firearms industry, the company said in an email statement. Now, on the flip side of the coin, the United Mine Workers of America, who represent the Ilian Remington factory's hundreds of workers, disagreed that the blame for the plant closures rested in the state's gun laws. They said, quote, it's not our understanding or our belief whatsoever that this has anything to do with the laws. They're obviously moving to a very non-union state. Now, the, the, the union obviously not happy with the fact that Remington is moving to a non-gun state or to a non-union state, a uh, right-to-work state. Um, but I think that that's more of a fringe benefit at this point. Rem Arms has been pretty explicit about saying that they're going to Georgia because it's not an anti-gun state, that they're going to a place that welcomes firearms manufacturers, not treats them like they have syphilis and scurvy combined or leprosy or something, right? I mean, this is this is what they're doing. Now, the fact that it is a right-to-work state probably doesn't hurt them. I mean, probably that's probably just like mm, chef's kiss, cherry on the top. I mean, why would Remington want to keep work? Why would anybody? This is the same question that I had for several other uh, companies. Uh, Detonics was one. Um, what was the name of the company that did all the FAL stuff? I'm trying to remember the name of the. Uh, oh, man, I bought some of their stuff and I'm trying to think of. Anyway, they they were in Illinois, like on the outskirts of Chicago. I'm like, why would anybody want to have a manufacturing business in any of these states? Now, Remington obviously has been there for 200 years. They were there well before all the no-neck do-gooders got involved and were trying to shut them down. They were just there and it was easier to try and deal with it. But they finally just said, no, we can't do it anymore. Why would any company want to work in a state that was actively hostile to the legal product that they produced? Right. I mean, that's like Ford Motor Company. You know, that was back back in the Detroit days, you know, when Ford or Chrysler or something, uh, they were trying to do something in a state where their vehicles were continually trying to outlaw the vehicles. Right. It just makes no sense whatsoever. But, you know, it gets. But think even deeper. Go back again to the union workers. 
You've got the United Mine Workers, which has a long history of favoring Democrats, of course. That's the same party that routinely favors gun control. Most politicians with a D after their name, you know, favor restrictions on on two-way rights. Uh, but, but you just think about that for a minute. The United Mine Workers Union has a long history of favoring the very candidates that would have put their own members out of work. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that, and I just can't possibly do it. And they've got a whole list. The uh, Union Times has got a whole list of uh, all the people that have been recently endorsed by the uh, by the United Mine Workers. And you don't see a lot of conservative folks on that agenda. I mean, it's not surprising that they're trying to make this about Georgia's position on um, right to work. Uh, but, you know, it. Are, are, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Makes no sense. The bottom line is that New York got its way. Uh, the same way that California is getting their way with all the people who are mass exiting California after they continue to crank the taxes up. The same way that New York City has gotten its way by cranking the taxes up so high that it's driving the wealthy and other uh, entrepreneurs and, uh, and, and folks out into other places. That's why there's a huge influx in places like uh, Florida and, uh, and Texas, because the people, you, you just, you're driving them out. You're, and then you wonder, how did this happen? How is it, you know, New York has been hostile to the Second Amendment for the last hundred years. And now they're reaping. It was a long, it was a long harvest season. It was a long growing season. But now you're finally reaping what you sowed. Actions have consequences. And I think you'll see this more and more. And it won't just be firearms industry. It'll be other industries that will just pick up. And go. I remember when Magpul. <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, Magpul is a uh, is a company that produces uh, polymer magazines. It was one of the. In fact, it was really one of the uh, uh, fledgling companies that started that whole kind of movement, and then became the preeminent company to do that. They provide magazines. I mean, I'm sure now they've got government contracts and everything else, but they started out in California. And they finally pulled the pin and left California because it was just, it was too much. You know, you just, they couldn't do it. They couldn't survive in California under their anti-gun tyranny. And so is it surprising that you see these multi-million dollar businesses move out of the state? I mean, that's a loss of revenue. It's a loss of jobs. It's a loss of everything else. But none of that matters. As long as the politicians can polish their their knuckles on their chest and go, Look at us. We're the anti-whatever warriors. As long as they can virtue signal, it doesn't matter what it does to the economy. doesn't matter what it does to the people. doesn't matter what the you know legalities are of it. If they feel like they're right, they're going to do what they can do. But again, this is just a story about how actions have consequences. And uh, uh, I, like I said, it's been a long time coming. That they sowed those seeds a long time ago and they've nurtured them and they've weeded them and they've kept at it and they just kept at it. And all of a sudden they're shocked, shocked, I tell you, when this is what pops up out of the ground for them to harvest. Oops, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. All right. We're going to uh, continue here in just a minute. Jacob Sullen from Reason Magazine is going to be joining us in just a hot second. Don't go anywhere. 
The Michael Duke Show. Uh, Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more. And Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine. Right after this. was pumped for Christmas. Woo, I'm pumped for Christmas. Ow! So Marty just bought himself everything he wanted. Yeah! Because Marty has no friends. Uh, that turned dark. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Oh, that turned dark. That turned dark. Oh, man. Woo, baby. Man, I got into reading stories and everything, and I looked up, and it was like a minute and a half before the show was supposed to start. I was like, whoa, wait a second. I got to launch, launch, launch. Uh, Eject, eject, eject. Uh, Okay. Uh, Alaska. What was that? Alaska is not a right-to-work state either, says Donna. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if if we could get a major firearms manufacturer to come wouldn't that be awesome i mean i would be totally down with that i would be totally down with that absolutely um dukes 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 what was that common sense gun controls yeah i'm sorry i just you know <laughs> oh gosh uh all right where are we at 34 below in salter right now God, I'm so glad I don't live in Fairbanks anymore. I love you all in Fairbanks, but you could keep that. I mean, it's minus three below at my house right now. That's what my that's what my that's what my secret computer thing here is selling me is that it's three two three below. It keeps going bouncing back and forth between minus two and minus three. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. Thank you. <clears throat> yep, and. Uh, Let's see. It's Friday already. Oh, man. Don't cry about it, Rick. It's good it's Friday. It's the fi- this is my final Friday of the year. Uh, Brian says, my Duke's mug is in my office and it's cold. But will the coffee taste right without the mug? Well, go heat it up, Brian. Just go heat it up. It'll be fine. <sighs> no white Christmas in Michigan, says Donna. Well, Donna, you know, you'll just have to move up here to God's country and then you can enjoy some of that stuff. That's, uh, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, 60 inches of snow in the uh, south central area. 40 inches in November, 20 inches in December. I can't wait to see what next month brings. That's all I'm saying. All right. Good morning, Gordon. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Amy. At least there's no snakes in Alaska. Well, they are some in suits down in Juneau. But other than that, you're right. No venomous snakes. I mean, there are some snakes. Yeah, Tawny added a recipe. Oh, nice. Tawny added a recipe to the recipe contest. We're going to see if we can get Jacob Sullum to put his fam- famous, his famous, his favorite family recipe on the uh, recipe page as well. Um, so it'll be fun, <clears throat> man. Yeah. <laughs> Mike said he had a sled, he had a dog sled ride yesterday and it was 30 below and he's got a ride again this morning, uh, at 10 AM. 
you know, better you than me, brother. Better you than me. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I think I'm all caught up. I'm all caught up on all the comments this morning. Ooh, I got that fire. I got that firearms Friday feeling, uh, firearms Friday feeling. Um, all right. I see Jacob is in the green room. Um, and let me get, uh, let me get my aspect all squared away here and we'll go over. I think he's ready. Oh, he's muted still. So maybe he's setting stuff up. We'll, uh, we'll get him. We want to check him out. We're about one minute away from returning to the Ray Didio. So we'll do that here in just a hot second. Um, and we will, oh, he's all ready. I think he's ready. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. See how he's doing. Uh, we'll add him right now. Good morning, Mr. Solemn. Whoops, sir. How are you, my friend? Let me, let me give you a, here. There you go. How, there's an aspect you can live with. How about that? How you doing, Jacob? Hmm. I don't think Jacob can hear me. Can you, can you hear me? No, I don't know as Jacob can hear me. We might have to, uh, to do this. Can you hear me, Jacob? Can you hear me, Jacob? <laughs> I can hear him, but he can't hear me. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's, 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 can, uh, you hear me? Let's try this. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Welcome back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, Jacob Sullivan is our guest uh, here on the program. And I'm just, uh, we're having, I don't know, I don't know what the last couple days have been like, but it's like this uh, technical issue where we're having a hard time trying to, uh, we can hear them, but they can't hear us kind of thing. So we're going to see if we can, uh, we can try this out one more time here. And we will see if he can reconnect and get the uh, uh, get get him squared away. Uh, recon. I'm trying to. <clears throat> it's always better. Uh, we'll try this one more time. I'm going to pull him back out of the room, and we will try this one more time. Uh, it is Firearms Friday. Don't forget that uh, next week on the program. <clears throat> We're going to, uh, it's going to be all Christmas all the time, all Christmas, all the time. We're going to start with, uh, just you and me on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it's going to be Brad Keithley and Chris story with the weekly top three, but it's going to be the Christmas top three. And we're going to be uh, hanging out with Chris story in hour two for a couple segments as well. Then on Wednesday, we're going to be joined by Mike shower for Christmas memories for the final show of the year. 
Uh, we're going to try this one more time here. I'm going to try this one more time here and see if I can bring Jacob back up onto the stage. And we'll try it one more time. Jacob, can you hear me, my friend? I can hear you now. Okay. I don't know what was going on. It's it's been it's one of those technically difficult weeks. I've had this happen twice already this week, and I'm like, what's going on? How are you doing, my friend? How are things going? I'm doing all right. I uh, just had my blood drawn for life insurance, so let's keep our fingers crossed. Are you say? Are you feeling a little woozy? Do you need a cookie and some orange juice? Or uh, no, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> think you'll do it. She only took a few vials. She only took a few gallons. It's no big deal. Yeah. I'll walk it off. It is but a flesh wound, so it'll be all good. Uh, well, welcome to the program, and I appreciate you coming on. I know it's late in the season, and I know a lot of you guys are uh, kind of getting ready to uh, head off into uh, vacation land, so I appreciate you uh, appreciate you uh, taking some time out here to uh, to talk with us today. Um, first and foremost, just be glad you're not here. It's uh, Somebody just reported it's three below at my house right now, but my friends up in Fairbanks are saying it's 30 below 30 six below out at where I used to live uh, out in Fairbanks right now. So I know you're enjoying a little bit warmer weather than that down there. It, it is uh, in the 50s and raining. Okay. Well, well, there you go. 50s and raining. We do have a white Christmas, at least on our end. We are going to have a white Christmas, so it's going to be fine. Uh, Jacob, uh, we got a lot to cover here, but the, the one that really kind of caught my attention, I mean, I'd like to talk about Hunter Biden here at one point. But the, the story that really caught my attention is your latest piece from a couple days ago about the Second Circuit. Now, of course, the Bruin decision was a big deal because it set up that whole thing about historical, uh, 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 you know, historical frameworks and everything else. And people were saying, well, there's going to be a lot of things they can't do. But we're seeing here that the Second Circuit Court has decided to apply it in a little bit of a different way. So give us some backstory here about what's going on in New York with the Second Circuit and what's going on. Yeah, well, what happened in New York is that, of course, they were at the center of that Supreme Court case, and the Supreme Court said that uh, they could not require applicants for carry permits uh, to demonstrate proper cause, uh, that that was asking for a special justification when this was a right that belonged to everyone to carry guns for self-defense outside the home. So New York had to eliminate that. Well, that was very that much was clear, uh, but they retained um, another criterion: good moral character, which they had had before. Um, and and when, with the new legislation, they defined it uh, to basically uh, as uh, having the right kind of temperament and uh, character. To have a gun, so that's <laughs> not really that useful as a definition. Um, and the question, one of the questions about this new law was, um, is that okay? Because that seems to give the licensing authority a lot of discretion to decide you're not the sort of person who ought to have a gun. And in fact, a federal judge last year said uh, that that was not cool. That by the logic of Bruin, this this uh, licensing regime was unconstitutional because. Um, nobody really knows what good moral character right. means. And, you know, somebody might apply it in good faith and say, well, you know, you were accused of, of, of beating your wife. And, and, and exactly. we think that means you don't have the right moral character. But it also could be 
any number of things that suggest that maybe you're, he thinks you're a hothead or he doesn't right. like you for one reason. Or another. Well, there's a component. Uh, there's a component of due process in there too, as well, right? Because it becomes a, not an affirmative right. You have to prove, right? I have to prove that I'm a good person to exercise the right instead of giving me the right yeah. and and you know me exercising it without your approval. And that's that's where and, the real crux was. Yeah, and they're supposed if they deny a license on that basis, they're supposed to explain why. So there is some process, and then you can say, well, that's not a good reason, and you, you, can, you can challenge it, whatever. But the question is, was this too open-ended? The federal, this federal judge last year said it was. The Second Circuit said, no, it's fine, because um, their argument was that this was a facial challenge, that, this, the, the, that the claim against the law was that it was facially unconstitutional, which means it has to be unconstitutional in every application. And they said it's true that you could imagine somebody uh, applying the standard um, in a way that was arbitrary and that and was therefore a violation of the Second Amendment. But also people might apply it in good faith, you know, focusing on the dangerousness of the person. Right. So they said that was OK. Um, and that's interesting because that language appears. Um, California actually had that language and I, I believe they got rid of it when they when they changed their law, along, along with a requirement that was similar to proper cause. Um, and some other states do have uh, phrase it that way, and they may interpret it narrowly or broadly. And right, so that's going to be an issue that will come up, I think, repeatedly. Um, so that was one thing in the, the Second Circuit did, but they did agree with the judge. The judges, uh, Glenn Sadeby, uh, Sadeby also said that um, they could not demand, could not constitutionally demand information about your social media accounts. So applicants were supposed to say any social media account they've used in the last three years, you know, supply the information about it. And one of the problems with that is that you have a right to, to speak online under a pseudonym without actually identifying yourself. That's a constitutional right. 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 Um, and so they're basically saying, no, you have to out yourself and we need to know everything, every name that you posted under so that we can see if you're, you know, do you have good moral character, for example? Right. Uh, so we can investigate you to see if, you know, are you, are you the right. sort of person who ought to, ought to have a carry permit? Um, and then, of course, it's also a Second Amendment issue. Um, is it reasonable to condition your exercise of this right on supplying this information? And so the Second Circuit agreed with Sotheby that that was not cool. The state can't do that. Right. Um, and then the the other big part of this decision dealt with restrictions on locations where you can have guns even if you have a permit right so you have your permit right you've jumped through under, all the hoops right you've done everything yeah, that under, they've asked you to do and the under but under the the legislation new york passed it was like we'll give you the permit now but good luck using it because <laughs> we're gonna say you know you can't use it here or there and this other place um and it was such a long list of places that it made it highly impractical to actually go about your day uh, armed well, that's, um, you, would, I, you would have to leave it leave it behind, you know, in your car in a, in a locked box so much that it would just be make it impractical. Well, and, um, I, and I want to make a point about this because I saw a commentary piece from somebody and I don't remember who it was. It was shortly after New York came out with their response to Bruin where they did this whole patchwork of different areas. And the guy literally he lined it out. He said, if I. I can carry here where I want to go at my place of business and I can carry at my house. And he said, but here's how many times I would have to disarm myself between there and here. It was like something like 14 times he'd have to yeah. put it in a, you know, it's just, it became untenable. It was essentially a finger in the eye to anybody that was, that believed in the, in the court's decision on Brune. 
Right. So this is basically an attempted end run around Bruin saying, all right, you're making us issue these permits now, but we're going to make it so hard to use them that people will either just not bother applying or they won't actually try to carry carry guns. Um, so the, so Sadabi um, said a bunch of those restrictions were unconstitutional. Um, for example, nobody in a bar or a restaurant can, ha can have a gun. Um, there were, I believe, uh, there was oh, the zoos, theaters. There were a bunch of restrictions like that, where he where he said this is not uh, consistent with the you know uh, with the nation's tr uh, tradition of firearm regulation, um, and and really the most important one that he said was unconstitutional, unconstitutional was the default rule for all private property that you right. can't have guns right. on private property unless you get explicit permission. And in the case of businesses open to the public, the, the form that that would most likely take is, a, is conspicuous signage. You have to put up a sign saying guns are welcome, or otherwise your customers with guns have to otherwise get explicit permission from you. So the, of course, this is designed, first of all, to create a, um, a default rule that guns are banned in, in, in a whole wide range of businesses that are open to the public. But secondly, you know, you can say, oh, the owner, if it's okay with him, he can always put up a sign. The problem with that is that a lot of his customers might not like that. They might not like to have the, you know, to patronize right. a business that has this big sign saying guns are welcome. And so he's got to decide, well, who do I want to antagonize? The people with carry permits who want to, you know, uh, patronize my business or the other people who might be offended by that. So that, and that's by design, obviously. That, that was the yeah, idea yeah. is that we're going to uh, make a whole wide range, even the, the, the places that are not, uh, specifically named that they might, you know, it might still be banned there because it's a it's private property, which is you know covers a lot of ground, um, right? So, so Sadabi said that's obviously he looked at the you know historical examples that the state presented as analogs, and he and these were mostly anti-poaching laws that had to do with not bringing rifles onto into somebody's lands, right? Uh, because you right and. To, unauthorized hunting there that was the those were the main examples and Sotheby says that you know that doesn't that's not close enough right that's right. not no. similar not relevantly similar and on that the second circuit actually agreed with Sotheby said we don't find these anti-poaching laws to be you know compelling historical analogs but on a, for a whole for a bunch of other categories of specific where of specific locations where guns are not allowed, they said that was okay. Yeah, like zoos and, and, and it, theaters and, and things like that. Theaters, right? yeah. uh, bars and restaurants, uh, zoos, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> things like that. And uh, and it's interesting to compare the Second Circuit's reasoning to Sotheby's because he was very particular going through all of the different um, historical precedents and saying, well, who had these laws, you know, when were they adopted? You know, was it around the time the 14th Amendment was ratified, around the time the Second Amendment was ratified? Um, was it really representative of, of, of gun laws at the time? Uh, he even looked at, you know, how, what percentage of the population was, sub, was subject to the laws. So he was very particular in terms of, of the precedents, not that it had to be exactly the same, but he was pretty uh, rigorous. Whereas the Second Circuit uh, applied the uh, Bruin test at a sort of a higher level of generality. So, for example, for about the, uh, those locations I mentioned, they said, well, there's this tradition of prohibiting guns in uh, places that might be crowded. 
<laughs> and I was and I was thinking, well, because there's like, you know, there was a law, no, no guns at the fair. Right, right, um, right. There were a few states in the 19th century that said no guns in places of uh, education or entertainment or uh, or uh, cultural exploration or things like that. Um, and so they, they in, inferred from several laws like that, uh, this principle that, oh, in locations that might be crowded. So that's theaters, that's zoos, that's. It's um, New York. That's New York City. Right? It's all of New York City. That's the problem. <laughs> is that um, they had they also at the same time are saying it's not okay to say guns are presumptively banned in every business open to the public. That's not okay. Right. But then they also are saying, but if it might be crowded, you know what I'm saying. So, so a lot of these businesses, like stores, might be right, crowded. Right. Yeah. Right. A store might be crowded. It depends how many people are in there, how big the stores. Right. So I, I find that somewhat inconsistent. They clearly did not want to say it's okay to just presumptively ban guns everywhere because that would right. make it. Well, so we, so we get it. So uh, we get this halfway. So we kind of get this halfway decision out of the Second Circuit, which is going to be interesting. But we got to we got to hold pause real quick here, Jacob. Jacob Sullum, uh, 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 senior editor at Reason Magazine, is our guest. It's Firearms Friday. We're going to be back with more here in just a second. Don't go anywhere. We'll return right after this. It's the Michael Dukes Show. Oh, it's a magical Christmas time again. Your kids are counting on you. Yeah, Dad! Now, if only someone would do something for you. Honey, headache! Oh. Streaming live every weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're on uh, here in the commercial break now. Jacob Selim, our guest. Uh, we'll change gears just a little bit. Um, we're hoping, Jacob, uh, we're hoping that you might take a minute out of your day today. I know you're busy, but... We got that holiday recipe contest, and uh, uh, JD Tuchili put up uh, his chestnut sausage and apple stuffing uh, recipe up there. We'd love for you to do you. You have a special meal that you eat for the holidays? Is there something like you wait around uh, all year? I could I could give you a latke recipe. A latke, <laughs> a latke, latke. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I have. A- I have southwestern latke recipe, which is a pro- which is Texas appropriate. I like that. Um, uh, for Alaska, I'm not so I'm not not sure. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I question whether or not when JD told us about his, I was like chestnuts. I don't know if I've ever seen chestnuts in the store. And then somebody in the chat room told me, "Oh no, you can get them over at Safeway or Cars or whatever." So yeah, yeah it's better to buy them pre pre cooked and peeled and everything because roasting them and and peeling them is a big pain. It is. It is a big pain. Yeah. But I don't. What is like? I don't even know what that is. Can you? Oh, oh yeah. It's a potato pancake for for Hanukkah. Oh, okay, for Hanukkah. Okay, so, yeah. So like today it. is the last last day of of Hanukkah. Yep. And this is one of the traditional foods for Hanukkah because it is fried. Why is that traditional food? Because there's because the central miracle of Hanukkah is that they uh, went into the temple which had been trashed, and they found one remaining uh, container of oil. And they lit the menorah and it miraculously burned for eight days. Nice. Instead of just instead of just one day. So things made in oil are, nice. are traditional. So that's one. And, and the other, uh, donuts is the other thing. Right. Uh, fried donuts, um, uh, fried uh, potato pancakes. Oh man! And so the Southwest latke has got to be. Do you got a, a little bit of mm, a little spice on it? Is that what? Yeah. It? 
Yeah, oh. it's basically kind of chili, chili spices. Hey, I like it. I I love and, that. And some cilantro. Yeah, no, I I think that would be great. We'd love to. We'd love to see it. That would be fun stuff. We were, you know, I love to. Uh, I just love to share that holiday tradition. I get this is like the last political show for the year, right? The, today I've been avoiding politics most of the week. We've been talking about just kind of fun stuff, but I definitely wanted to get a last Firearms Friday in. But I'm reached that time of year, and I'm sure you get to that at some point during the year too, where you're just like up to here with you know i can't talk about that anymore let's talk about fun stuff and of course food and the holidays uh you know hanukkah christmas i mean the whole thing that's all i mean that's that that's that's where my heart lives for the rest of the year i want to get i just want to get that recharge so that i can face january with a clean heart and a and a and a recharged spirit you know what i mean so it's definitely uh, definitely a thing. Well, good. Well, maybe if you get a chance, throw that up there. If you if you if you do, that would be a fun thing. I'd try that. I'd try it just to uh, just to see it. My one of my girls has got. She's doing like around the world on pancakes. She had like Japanese Dutch pancakes, these little puffy things that she did. She makes the Japanese egg pancakes. She does all. She loves pancakes, so we'll get her to try that and uh, make it up for us, and we'll uh, we'll test it out around here. Um, all right. <clears throat> um, let me see if there's any questions for Jacob here. I do. I want to finish up with the New York story, and then I do want to touch on this Hunter Biden thing because, I mean, come on, Jacob. If you told me last year that Hunter Biden was going to be the poster child for Second Amendment rights uh, in 2023, uh, you know, I'd have laughed you out of the room. But it's. I mean, this seems to be the track, the direction that they're going right here uh, with this. I mean, it's it's they're they're going full speed ahead, full bore, unconstitutional. Uh, they're pitting Hunter against his dad, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was already happening. So uh, because this is the policy that the president enthusiastically supports, and it also uh, is apt to send his son to prison for doing something that, that you know, was illegal, no question, but right. did not, didn't violate anybody's rights. It didn't, he didn't threaten anybody or, or injure anybody. Um, and yet he could, I mean, theoretically, the, under these three charges they brought based on this single uh, transaction, he theoretically go to prison for uh, 25 years. Yeah. Unlikely he'll get that long, but he could he could still get a prison sentence just yeah. just for for that one uh, gun purchase. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy. So I'm looking forward to talking about that as well. Uh, are you working on anything else? Or are you off for the rest of the holidays or what's uh... I'm working on a book uh, about. Uh, parallels between uh, gun control and drug control. Oh, well, I look forward to that. We have to have you back on when you get that out there and published. We, I'd love to talk about that and discuss that. I know you've alluded to that several times in some of your writings about how there are definitely parallels to that, the war on drugs and the war on guns. Um, I think that would be uh, so. You're welcome on the program when you get ready to 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 produce well, it, and pitch it out. Thank you. You're all you're always welcome. I don't know why I said that because you're always welcome <laughs> on the program. Uh, all Thanks. right, we are about 30 seconds out from rejoining the radio. We'll finish up with a New York story, and then we'll move on to the Hunter Biden story. And then we'll let Jacob get back to his uh, his uh, holiday season here, and we will uh, we'll continue. Folks, please like and share. Uh, follow, ring the bell, do do all the stuff on Facebook and YouTube and, and, uh, and everything else. Uh, and then uh, don't forget, if you haven't put up your recipe on the recipe page, just go to my Facebook page. Click on the uh, picture and uh, post it. You get a chance to win. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
All right, we're back. Uh, Firearms Friday here. Jacob Sullum, senior editor for Reason Magazine, joins us. We're talking about his latest story on the Second Circuit of New York and how they have rejected many of New York's new rules against guns, but not all. There's still some problems in there. We were just talking about that before we went to break, uh, how they are now allowing them in private businesses. But there's still theaters, zoos, other public places. Uh, The justification seems a little bit weak, uh, Jacob, when it's all said and done and still creates so much discretionary decision making by bureaucrats that I have a feeling that this might go back to the courts. What 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 say you on this? What's the what's the final outcome of this second uh, circuit decision? Well, the uh, the plaintiffs, these are actually four different uh, lawsuits. Oh, I didn't mention there was also a, a challenge to the ban on guns in churches. And that was uh, part of the injunction that right. the second circuit issued. Uh, was that there was a particular congregation where the pastor said, we take it to be a religious duty uh, to be prepared to defend, you know, the congregation. Right. And so this is a First Amendment issue as well as a Second Amendment issue. And they actually got an injunction specific to them saying you can't enforce this rule against this church. It's, you know, it's pastor, it's uh, it's congregants. Um, and so that's interesting There's because there's a religious freedom spin on that. And especially to the extent that the law uh, is discriminating against religious institutions where there are other secular institutions that don't don't have the same rule applied to them. It's sort of like what happened during uh, COVID, uh, where you had, you know, can't if you have a, a rule that applies, you know, based on neutral criteria, that's usually OK. But if you're discriminating against religious uh, institutions in some way, then that's that's suspect. Right. Um, and yeah, so so the plaintiffs, you have four different cases here uh, uh, f- that were consolidated, and they can ask for the uh, for a rehearing before the Second Circuit. That might be the next step. I don't I don't know what their plans are, um, but you know, I, I think that the bars and restaurants thing that's a pretty big deal, and the reasoning was thin. It's it might be crowded. Which, as I mentioned, can right, apply right, right. To lot, lots of places, including the ones where they said you couldn't ban guns um but also they invoked these old laws that said you can't carry or f- or sometimes fire a gun in public when you're drunk and and so they like will combine these two things because it's you know focused on on uh, businesses that serve alcohol and the point that the people who challenged this uh, provision made was that it applies whether you're drunk or not so if you go out to a restaurant and they happen to have a liquor license, that's not your fault. And you're not drinking at all. You know, why is it that, that if it's OK with the owner, you're right. not allowed to have a gun? Uh, doesn't really make much sense. Uh, uh, so uh, so that that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, you have to think about, the, the, as you mentioned, the practical consequences, you know, map it out. And it depends on what, what you know, where you live. Uh, how many prohibited locations, how many gun-free zones are there between you and where you're going? Um, and it's going to vary depending upon what part of the state you live in. Right. Uh, but, no, yeah. it's it, The whole thing's frustrating. So quickly, uh, where does it go from here? Does it now, is it, because this is an en banc panel, right? It was the first Sotheby judged it, then the panel uh, this, ca- came back. This, is, this was a three-judge three judge panel. Yep. Um, and so they could uh, ask for an en banc rehearing and maybe the second circuit will do that i'm not wouldn't be super optimistic that they were would come out very differently 
um, and then so ultimately could go to the Supreme Court. These kinds of laws, this kind of law has been um, enacted by a bunch of states, not just New York, New Jersey, Maryland, um, Hawaii, California has one right, that's going right. take, takes effect at the beginning of, of the year. Of, of next year um and and they all take essentially the same approach here's a long list of places that we're calling sensitive and then also just in general any any uh business open to the public unless they you know put up these signs guns are not allowed um and that particular requirement a bunch of judges have you know in addition to the second circuit you have these uh federal judges in new york but also in new jersey and in maryland who said that that requirement is unconstitutional which right. is interesting that's because that's the most sweeping one, where it's just the default rule for all, all uh, private businesses. Um, so yeah, I think ultimately this has come up in so many jurisdictions. It's uh, it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court to be resolved, um, and so I, I think that that will happen we'll, eventually. We'll see what that comes from. That we got about four minutes here. I wanted to touch briefly on Hunter Biden's legal case. I said to you earlier during the break that if you told me last year that Hunter Biden would be the new poster child for gun rights. I would be surprised, but that's the direction his legal team is going. They're saying that the uh, that the 4473 question on whether or not you're a drug user uh, or anything else is an unconstitutional question. That's what they're trying to get him on. Um, and now they've they've stacked up some charges on him here. Give us a quick uh, rundown here. Yeah. So this is one one transaction. Um, he bought a, a revolver back in 2018 at that time. He was, uh, by his own admission, a crack user. So that was illegal to, bu to buy that gun as an illegal drug user. Also, when he filled out the form, he he denied illegal drug use. So that's another felony. And and that that felony, that act of, of checking the wrong box on the form is also a third felony, which is essentially the same. They're phrased somewhat differently, but they have to do with 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 making false representations to a firearms dealer. Right. So they're two related to that plus this other one, and altogether the maximum penalty would be uh, 25 years in prison. Um, and so he, he, he's uh, filed a motion uh, to get the charges dismissed this week, and it's not, the main argument is, is not Second Amendment. The main argument at this stage is this is a, uh, a vindictive and selective prosecution, and uh, this, you know, this, the, the, uh, U.S. Attorney uh, uh, David Weiss, that he he would not, who is now a special counsel handling the, the Biden investigation, he would not have brought these charges, but for all this pressure from Republicans in Congress, and this is improper, and this is a separation of powers issue. That's the main argument of, of in this brief. But in order to make this case, he notes that, first of all, you know, this law is flouted by millions of Americans every year right. like look how many drug users there are if a third of them own guns you're talking about something like 20 million people right. yeah who are are committing the same felonies that he's charged with right. and and they almost are ne almost never are prosecuted it's like 120 uh, prosecutions a year under this provision um so he makes that point he actually cites he cites one of my articles or his lawyers cite <laughs> one of my articles on a footnote going to the question of how it's, you know, it's really enforced rarely and haphazardly. Um, and then he also notes that this this provision, the ban on on gun possession by illegal drug users, was deemed unconstitutional by the Fifth Circuit. He notes that once and then also uh, notes it again in passing, saying it's unconstitutional. So the, un the 
it being unconstitutional clearly has to do with the Second Amendment, even though they don't say right, <laughs> they right. don't use that phrase. And so down the road, I think that that I doubt that this the argument about about vindictive prosecution will will uh, prevail. But the Second Amendment argument is very clearly viable, given what the Fifth Circuit said, given what other uh, federal judges have said, that this is just not doesn't meet the Bruin test uh, because this the, the fact that you are, say, a marijuana consumer does not mean you're dangerous. Right. Right. It doesn't right. fit into that tradi- the tradition of, of, you know, preventing dangerous people from from having guns. It doesn't really fit that tradition. And Biden, Biden administration is arguing uh, that it does fit that tradition, that you are ipso facto dangerous and unvirtuous and just not the sort of person that should have a gun if you, for example, use marijuana. Okay. Well, I wouldn't want to be at their Christmas dinner table. for <laughs> That would be an interesting <laughs> take. Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine, my friend, thank you very much. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate you, you coming on board. Uh, hold the line for just a second. Folks, we got more coming up. Hour 2, Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Jacob, I really appreciate. I mean, we could go on for <clears throat> another half hour on all this stuff because you've been writing a lot about uh, the Second Amendment and and this. You had this the other case that I the the California case where you're talking about uh, the this was from earlier in the month. Again, back to this whole sensitive spaces thing. As you said, Maryland, Hawaii, California. This is their end run around that whole thing is to try and create this patchwork of all these sensitive places where you are effectively it basically effectively disarms you as you travel across the city. You know, there's pockets of places where you can carry and it's on you to get I it's 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 so infuriating because I saw one comment from somebody that said, well, this is our job. And if, if you feel like it's wrong, then you need to take it to court and have the courts prove it kind of thing where they're putting the burden back on the private citizen making something that they know is blatantly wrong and unconstitutional, but doing it because they st- it's basically giving all the gun owners the finger. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was, it was very clear when they enacted the California law that this was, they didn't agree with Bruin. They thought it was a terrible, they said it in so many words. This is a terrible decision. It will have terrible consequences. How can we prevent it from having those consequences? We're going to basically make it uh, highly impractical to exercise the right that, and the right, and uh, Newsom put scare quotes around right when he the right to bear arms. Yeah, right. You know, I know because uh, he doesn't really believe in that, um, and so we're going to make that right very hard to exercise. I was they're quite explicit about it, so it's not even like you have to surmise that this is their motive. Uh, they hated this decision. They really don't want to have to obey it. Do you think the Supremes are going to, I mean, Bruin is so brand new. I mean, really it's, you know, but, but there's already been so much of this kind of wiggle stuff, trying to backdoor it and everything else. Do you think that they will, uh, you know, and you've been watching the courts for years. Do you think that they will take this up uh, to, for clarification in the future, uh, near or far future? What What are your thoughts on that? The Supreme court? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to have to, um, to uh, address this issue of uh, geographic restrictions, right? Because um, obviously, if it makes it, it, you know, impossible in practice to exercise this right, that can't be constitutional. That is completely contradicts what they said in Bruin. So they're going to have to come up with some kind of um, test, right? Uh, for you know, to what extent can you uh, decree that you that you can have the 
the permit, but you can't use it. Uh, so, right, right. I mean, that's right. ob- it's obviously is going to be need to be addressed because otherwise, uh, Bruin will be completely in- ineffective uh, in precisely the states where it was supposed to have an impact, which were the ones right. that that had these special, you know, uh, where you had to have a special justification to get a carry permit. Um, those are the states that are adopting that have adopted these laws now. Um, so I can't imagine they're going to let them get away with thumbing their nose and at, at the Supreme Court and saying, we know what you decided. We didn't like it. So we're not going to follow it. Right. I think was it the FPC and somebody else has already got some of these cases that are already headed up to the Supreme to deal with these sensitive spaces issues to begin with. So who knows? Maybe they'll I mean, it would be great if they could take it up sometime next year and bring it out and clarify that. Uh, because, like I said, I think Bruin is going to fundamentally transform the uh, the space as far as gun rights and everything else. It's gone a long way already, and they're going to try and weasel through it as much as they can. But if they could take out some of these big major roadblocks, I think that would be a good. I think in you know in five years we may see a totally different landscape. Yeah, and I, I think it makes sense for them to start with the things that are directly relevant to this specific right they upheld in Bruin because. Uh, you want to make sure that that you're, you're, the decision actually has has consequences in the real world. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. Well, Jacob, uh, I wish you and your family a very happy holidays and uh, and happy Hanukkah. And I, I appreciate you guys coming on or you coming on board and taking the time out. And uh, I'm now I'm excited for your book. I didn't know you were writing a book, so now I'm excited to read that as well. And uh, just keep up the good work, my friend. Uh, I, w- t- I was talking with a friend yesterday, and he was saying talking about mainstream news outlets and everything else and, you know, clickbait and doing it for the money and all this kind of stuff. And I just told him, I said, I just read reason these days. I mean, I may read an article from somewhere else every now and then, but for the most part, if I'm looking for something that's just kind of straight dope on one, you know, with, with, with laying everything out, you guys do a fantastic job at reason. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. All right, sir. Well, well, I'm Latka. I'm looking for the uh, the Southwest Latka. Now I'm going to go. I'm looking forward to trying it. So thank you. All right. Thanks for coming on board. We'll talk to you again in the new year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Jacob Sullum, Reason Magazine, uh, our guest uh, here on the program today. Uh, I'd heard of Latka, but I didn't know what it actually was. That's why I asked. Um, but uh, now it sounds delicious. <laughs> A fried in oil potato pancake with chili peppers and spices? Yeah, why not? That's it. And I could have a religious experience while I'm at it, remembering that. So, you know. Um, is Hunter only using malicious prosecution so his whoops, so his case can uh, avoid facing against the Biden administration's policy? Probably, but I don't think that that's going to go anywhere. I think that that's... Uh, Uh, I don't think that that's really going to be, you know, just because everybody else does it is not the argument. Now, it's interesting that they make it so blatant and public that this is what's going on. And the fact that nobody's enforcing the law that's already on the books kind of undercuts their whole thing about how, well, if we just had one more law, it would fix it. Because obviously, uh, that's not the case. That's obviously not the case when it comes down to that. Okay. Phones are open. Uh, not just oil. Schmoltz. Schmoltz. Schultz. Schmoltz. Schultz. Seasoned chicken fat, says Jeannie. Okay, I got it. I, I, I'm going to figure it out. We'll get it. We'll get it on. I'll make sure that it's it's authentic. Authentic when it's all said and done. How about that? Okay, hour two. Dead ahead. Phone lines are open. 
we're ready to go. Are you going to call in and talk to me today? I hope so. I hope I hope that's what you're going to do. Let's uh, let's get into this and uh, get things going. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Yeah, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Jackson. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. That's right. Firearms Friday, or what we like to call Fire Day. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Friar. I was typing earlier and I was like, fire day. Well, it's not Friday. It's not fights. It's fire day. It works. It, it, it That works for me. And maybe it beats the algorithm, you know, on Facebook or YouTube or whoever, because gosh, they hate us. They, they hate the people that really like to keep and bear arms. It's just that it, we're not their friends. You know, they just, they're just not, they're not fans. Let's put it that way. Maybe hate is too strong a words, but they, uh, we're definitely they're definitely not fans of uh, what we're uh, what we're doing here. Uh, Friday is the day that we focus on the Second Amendment and two uh, a rights and everything else. We talk about stories. We just finished up with our most recent guest uh, guest, uh, Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine, who came on board to talk with us about the uh, Second Circuit uh, decision in New York and also Hunter Biden's case. Uh, again, if you had told me last year that Hunter Biden would be the new poster boy for gun rights, I would have laughed you right out of the room. But here he is with his lawyers saying that the, the, the gun ban is unconstitutional and, that it's, you know, there's a whole thing. I mean, it's it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But uh, this is the world we live in right now. So uh, it's uh, it's interesting stuff. Special thanks to Jacob for coming on board uh, today <clears throat> during the uh uh, during the, the, the beginning of the holiday season, uh, we are officially nine sleeps away from Christmas. Uh, and a quick reminder that as of next, uh, see, Wednesday will be my last day of broadcast for the year. So we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. And next week, it's going to be nothing but Christmassy stuff. It's going to be holiday, Christmas. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Brad Keithley and Chris Story on Tuesday. Brad's bringing in the Christmas top three instead of the weekly top three for state business. Um, and then Chris is going to kind of do the same with an uplift and, and just kind of holiday memories. On Wednesday, Mike Shower will be joining us for the final uh, show of the year. 
uh, and we'll be sharing Christmas memories and holiday stuff and favorite things. And uh, that'll be fun. On Monday, we'll have just some open line. I don't have any guests lined up, but we'll uh, we'll hang out and I'll talk about some of my favorite Christmas memories. And uh, I'm trying to put you in the mood, trying to put you in the mood uh, for the Christmas and the holiday season. And then uh, after Wednesday, we will be on vacation. You'll have alternate programming wherever you're listening, uh, whatever part of the state you're listening. You'll have alternate programming all the way up until January 2, which will be a Tuesday, January the 2nd. And that will be our first crack at the governor's budget, which I will say came out last night. Uh, This is all I'll say on it. 13.9 billion dollar budget. Is that right? Or 13.6? It was a 13 13 billion plus dollar budget. $3,400 dividend. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, but with a billion-dollar deficit baked in, and his suggestion is just take it out of savings. No no attempts to cut, no attempts to trim down, no attempts to do anything else. He didn't raise a bunch of stuff, but just think about that. A state with 700,000 people in it with a 13, almost $14 billion budget. I mean... Okay, okay, nine hundred and eighty something million dollar deficit, almost a billion dollar deficit. That's sustainable. I mean, I'm just going to say that. Well, that's that's super sustainable. I think we should just keep. I just think we should keep doing that. Don't you? Don't you think that that's what we should keep doing? I mean, you know. I'm so glad we're not going to talk about this till the next year because it's it it my head when I read it my head almost exploded. Although there was a super interesting infographic that the governor has, he's got an in, interactive infographic which shows you where all the money goes in state government, and uh, it's interesting to look at. You should go check it out. It's a thirteen point nine billion dollar budget, almost fourteen billion for seven hundred thousand people. Don't worry about. It'll all work out. Don't worry about it. Totally sustainable. Totally sustainable. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I broke my own rule. Uh, let's get back to firearm stuff, shall we? That's uh let's 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 do that. Um uh what what else was I uh, what else was I talking about here? Um oh uh my friend David Codria. Uh, from uh, the war on guns, we haven't had David on in quite a while. We should, in the new year, we should, uh, we should, we should jump in and uh, talk with David Codria, uh, who used to write for Oath Keepers and Guns Magazine, and he's written for a bunch of different outlets. Now he's writing for the Firearms News, uh, and he's got his latest piece up, talking about the um, UNLV shooting. Um, which the University of Las Las Vegas shooting. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's look, it was always going to be part of the gun debate. For the moment the news broke, we all knew it was going to be trying used to push gun control. Three faculty members were killed. One was wounded. Two police officers were injured in the confrontation with the gunman. There was never any doubt that this was going to be leveraged um, for um, you know, for this, but David Codrea has got a real, 
I think, an interesting thought and some interesting takes on this. And I'm going to get into that here in a minute, but uh, phone lines are open. I forgot to tell you that phone lines were open for this uh, next couple segments. We're just going to chat with you about whatever you want to talk about, firearms related or whatever. And since the phone lines are up and running and I've got a phone call on hold, let's just go over there and get things started, shall we? See what's going on. We'll start off right here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is this Larry? Hello. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, something's cutting out. But anyway, um, um, this is Larry, North Pole, Fairbanks area. And I had 36 below at my place out here in the North Pole this morning. Um, anyway, um, I just thought I'd uh, mention that we got that gun show coming up tomorrow and Sunday. Yeah. It's put on by the last few gun collectors, and um, yeah, general public can come in at 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. on Saturday, and uh, 11 a.m. until 5 p.m. on Sunday. Okay. And um, yeah, um, y'all come out. All right. It's, uh, just in time for Christmas. Just in time for Christmas. This is at the Lamonts building, right? The Shoppers Forum there on airport. So 10 to ten to 6 on yeah, the, uh, Saturday and yeah, 11 to 5 show. on Sunday. Yeah. All yeah, right. You're breaking up again, Mike. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, calling in again tomorrow. Uh, 11 to uh, uh, 10 to f- uh, 10 to 6 and 11 to 5 on Sunday. Uh, if you want to go out to the big gun show up in Fairbanks at the old, again, at the old Gottschalks building, that's the uh, that's the place to go. All right. Let me uh, <clears throat> I'm going to restart the phones just in case that's a problem on my end instead of uh, Larry's end. I mean, who knows at this point? It's Friday. It is. It is what it is. So let me uh, let me relaunch the phones here, and we'll see if we can get a better connection and uh, get things started. Uh, so if you want to call off by uh, sound off or call in, by the way, it's 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. and uh, feel free to come on board and uh, and uh, join us there and enjoy yourselves, and we'll we'll get it all we'll get it all squared away. All right, uh, let me go back to the story about UNLV and David Codria. So Codria points out that, uh, let me just read what he says here. Um, This is from his article at firearmsnews.com. We need Congress to step up after UNLV shooting, the News Nation reported, citing Joe Biden's official statement crafted by White House wordsmiths to exploit the murders to full advantage. He urged lawmakers to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. He also urged lawmakers to implement fast national red flag laws, require safe gun storage, and enact universal background checks. The problem with all these solutions are that the killer bought his legally, meaning he'd undergone a background check, and used a 9mm handgun. Uh, Clark County Sheriff added that the shooter brought 11 magazines with him to the campus, and police found nine of them on the shooter after he was killed. So there goes the objections that magazine bans are justified, because having to swap them out gives them time to tackle their assailant. Instead, terrified students and professors cowered in classrooms and offices as the gunman roamed the top three floors of the UNLV's Lee Business School. 
Why are supposedly free Americans in then the land of the Second Amendment reduced to that most pathetic state of affairs? They certainly outnumber the lone wolf attackers who carry out most school shootings. So how can one delusional nut job completely dominate and cow a campus full of predominantly young adults? In this case, it's thanks to those citizen disarmament edicts that the president, the Democrats, and the media are saying we need more of. And the Nevada law and university policy agrees. Nevada prohibits any person from carrying or possessing a firearm on the property of the Nevada System of Higher Education. The Giffords Law Center notes on its state laws, uh, state gun laws page, this prohibition does not restrict the possession of a firearm on the property of a private school uh, or child care facility by a peace officer, a school security guard, or a person having written permission from the president of a branch or facility of the system. So you can get a lot, I mean... But he's laying it right out there. I mean, this is what they want. He wants a ban. He wants high-capacity magazines banned. He wants assault weapons banned. He wants background checks. He wants all these things. And yet none of those things would have affected this shooting. This is a common problem. I mean, this goes on all the time. We see the shooting, and before and the before the smoke is even cleared and the police have even you know, finished putting up the yellow tape around the incident, they're already calling for new gun laws and new things that would have had no effect on what's going on in the system. I mean, he used a pistol. He used, he had multiple magazines. So it didn't matter if they were 10 or 15 round magazine. He had multiple magazines. He didn't use an assault weapon. He went through a background check. This is the same thing we saw at the Virginia Tech shooter where he used two pistols. I mean, it's not, again, it's not about... It's always about never letting a crisis go to waste. Those, All those things that the president's calling for, none of those things had anything to do with this particular incident, but they will use it and leverage it as a way to create this. And, of course, the biggest culprit here is the fact that it's a gun-free zone. Fish in a barrel. That's what it comes down to. And obviously, the gun-free law didn't stop this guy from going and shooting up a campus. That's what blows my mind. Oh, we're trying to avoid the violence. So if we put this sign up that says no guns allowed, then surely bad people with bad intentions will ignore, will, will, will pay attention to that and not ignore it. Yet time and time and time again, and as we've talked about with Dr. Lott, This is what happens. In fact, many shooters specifically talk about in their notes and their memoirs that that is where they're going because that is a place where they will meet little to no resistance is in gun-free zones. I mean, the Greenville Mall shooting came as such a shock because that guy just popped up out of nowhere and shot the uh, shooter, shot the, the bad guy. Uh, because he wasn't, the good guy wasn't supposed to be armed, but he just ignored the law. Was he prosecuted for it? No. In fact, the mall, which had the policy, praised him in that regard, which again, just, you know, you should just, you should just, people should just feel confident that anytime they're around you, they know that they're not in a gun-free zone, right? That's, that's kind of my goal here in this whole thing is to, is to be in that regard right there. All right. uh, We got one phone call on hold. We're going to get to them here on the other side. And then we're going to continue on. we got Willie Waffle coming up at the end of the show. Happy Friday. Happy Firearms Friday. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
It's the Michael Dukes Show. Oh yeah, feeling this holiday thing. Give me some nog. You can fake your holiday spirit, or you can just try to find it for real. Happy holidays. Good luck with that. Streaming live every weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we are in the break here this morning. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, Jacob is asking where he puts the uh, um, uh, where he puts the recipe. Hold on. Um, uh, oh, uh, click uh, on the picture. Of the holiday feast. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me go over to the phones. Oops. They hung up while I was in the break. I was just trying to fix it, man. Hate that. Hate that. Okay. Let me go back over here. Um, Washington budget is $36 billion for 8 million people. Um. There are going to be some smoking deals on AR platforms there, by the way. When you say there, what are you talking about? What, uh, 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 that's, what he, that's what Brian says he's heard. I want to know. I want to know. What do we got going on? Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. I see Tuckerman Babcock's in the, in the show. Good morning, Tuckerman. Uh, Kelly, um, this is Brian. Brian, we should start our own church. We should. We should do that. Um, the Church of the Divine Smoke Wagon. I think that would be. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be. That would be. Uh, that would be amazing. To do that. <laughs> now we have to think of the titles of the various levels of the priesthood. That's a Church of the Divine Smoke Wagon. His High Holiness, the, oh man, the gunslinger extraordinaire, um, <clears throat> the Hog Father, the Hog. That has so many different connotations in this in this exact moment. Uh, oh, Brian said he heard there was going to be some smoking deals on ARs at the Fairbanks Gun Show. Okay, thank you, Brian. I'm still trying to get over the Church of the Divine Smoke Wagon. Um. <clears throat> That deserves its own T-shirt at this point. I'm just saying that 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 deserves its own. <laughs> uh, the hog leg father. Uh, let's go. Let me go over to the. Uh, it's 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 just getting silly in here now. Just getting silly. Uh, let me go over to the phones and uh, we'll see if this uh, we'll see if the phones got any better. We'll check in with this caller to see what's going on. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is James from Fairbanks. Hey, Jay. Hey, James. How you doing? I'm sorry. It's I don't know why it's hey, choppy man. and breaking up, but I can I can hear you. Go ahead. Um, you mentioned the governor's budget. I'll take my one point eight million and do better for my community than. Yeah, and you're, I don't know, my phone. math and people, you take that $13 billion, you get one point eight million per person. 
Is that what you say? 1.8 million per person? Yeah, 1.8 for the state out of that budget. Yeah. Yeah, I think I could do a lot more for my family with uh, $1.8 billion than, uh, than they could do. Uh, I mean, I, I think we could why – don't we, why don't they just pass it out and then charge us for everything that the state needs to do, and then we'll decide whether or not we want to pay for whatever we want to pay for. That seems to be a better idea in the long run for sure. I agree with that. Exactly. Yeah. On, on the firearms note, I would like to know if there's action. Uh, and I'm sorry, James. Uh, I'm sorry, James. I apologize, but the but the phone is uh, the phones are just acting up this morning. So apparently, uh, we're not going to take any more phone calls this morning because it's busted. I don't know. I just, you know what? It is what it is. I'm ambivalent to it at this point. We got one final segment. We're not going to hear from Fred. Oh, that's sad. I wanted to hear from Fred here before the end of the year, but that's okay. We'll just I'm just closing it all down. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, Coffee Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do it right now. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. Assault Radio. I've been called worse by better. (laughs) Just saying. I've been called worse things by better people than you. Uh, All right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us here on this uh, beautiful Firearms Friday. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we were messing with the phones during the commercial break, and I don't know. I don't have time to deal with it today. It's something that's just... I don't know if it's my internet or what, but everything's not working right, and it's bothering me. So I just turned the phones off. So unfortunately, no more phone calls for you guys this year, which was unfortunate because I was hoping to hear from Fred in Rhode Island because he always is fun and has something good to say. Um, And unfortunately, that's just that won't happen today. So if Fred's listening out in Rhode Island, Merry Christmas, my friend. Happy, happy holidays. Happy New Year. All the happies. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for being a listener out there. We appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, look forward to hearing from you again in uh, in the new year, twenty twenty four. All right. So, what have we said today? We've said that actions have consequences. We should, you know, that that we talked about the story of never letting a crisis goes to go to waste, and now we've got this next story, uh, which is just another that shows how low people will go. How low people will go. Um, And Tom Knightenden over at Bering Arms uh, writes about this, uh, talking about Sandy Hook. We're coming up on the anniversary, uh, right? The the Sandy Hook, 11 years is is come and gone now since uh, since the Sandy Hook shooting, which was a tragedy. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. It was an absolute unmitigated tragedy. But there's still people out there who are trying to you know, profit off of it or, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the never let the crisis go to waste. Um, It, it, you know, it was just one of those 
it uh, anyway, it was uh, it was crazy. Um, here they were. It's 11 years since that morning passed, and people are still trying to use Sandy Hook as a push for gun control. There's a UPI story uh, talking about it. 11 years after the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School, Democratic leaders Thursday called on Congress to expand gun legislation. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat from New York, spoke outside the Capitol, recalling how the massacre of 21st graders and six educators in Newtown shocked the conscience of our nation. Yet the violence continues, Jeffries said. There have been 635 mass shootings and more than 40,000 gun deaths this year, calling it unacceptable and unconscionable and un-American. He thanked members of the House Gun Violence Prevention Task Force for their work over the years and condemned the do-nothing Republican Congress for not addressing the gun violence. And that that's the problem. The problem is that there's only one thing that he can think of to address the gun violence. And that's by taking away everybody's right to keep and bear arms. Literally not any other solution to any of these problems that we know of. The president also pushed the same narrative. You could see that it was almost exactly the same talking points. But the problem is, is that the numbers are not right. They use all this, they use all this voodoo, you know, statistical stuff to try and make it happen. There haven't been 635 mass shootings. There have been a couple dozen, which again, each and every one is a tragedy. But there's also been of those what they call mass shootings also include gang shootouts, drug deals, uh, you know, drug deal hits, violent crime across the nation and all this, you know, all this other stuff, which a lot of that stems from the revolving door of the justice system, basically saying that, that you know, no incarceration time for people who are doing bad things to, to good people. They also involved illegally obtained firearms, meaning that gun control isn't just going to come to a screeching halt and they're not going to be able to do anything to stop those particular shootings because a lot of them were already previously criminals, you know, known felons. They had illegal guns to begin. With. I mean, that's just it just goes through the points of proving over and over and over again that what we're trying to do here is not working quite as intended. Right. But that's the only thing that they can think of is more laws. Like somehow that's good. And then they use the number of 40,000 deaths, more than 40,000 deaths. In the, unfortunately, 70% of those are suicides. But, but they don't ever talk about that. They always conflate the numbers for the shock value, shock value. I mean, even if you had it at 40,000, let's just say I'm, you know, hypothetically that it was this no suicides. It was literally 40,000 gun deaths. In a country of 325 million people, that's still pretty tiny. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's still on the right-hand side of the decimal place at this point. But it's not. Of course, I said 67-something percent of those are suicides. So now you're talking about 12,000 deaths. In a country of 300, and now each and every one of them is a tragedy. I don't want to try and, I'm not trying to mitigate the, 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 uh, just how horrific it is. But from a pure, raw, numerical, statistical viewpoint, 
12, 13,000 deaths, 14,000 deaths in a country of 325 million, uh, 325 million citizens. Now you've got at least two places to the right of the decimal as to how much that's actually affecting. It is just this whole oversized, it's just this whole oversized thing. Stop using the gun violence archive to make your problem sound worse. 635 shootings. Uh, you know, and then go back to, again, remember all the things that they wanted to do for the UNLV shooting, the assault weapons, the safe storage and everything else. Well, let's go back to the particulars of Sandy Hook for just a second. This was a kid. He couldn't buy his own guns. He, his mother had guns locked up in the safe. He was able to finagle the combination out, got the gun, murdered his own mother so he could take her lawfully owned rifle. Then he took the rifle to a gun-free school zone, right, and proceeded to enact his barbarism there. What exactly would have, which, well, the assault weapon's bad. Well, I, I mean, that the, in that one case, if he had done, the Virginia Tech shooter did almost as well. With a pistol, I mean, when I say well, I mean matching numbers. So is it really about that's the only thing that it was about? All these other things would have done nothing? You know, an assault, you know, maybe the band would have made, he wouldn't have an AR-15, but again, Virginia Tech, handguns. Um, and that's a best case scenario. He might have shifted to a different weapon. But again, he's already committed to doing these heinous, violent. If you think that one more law is going to stop these people, we need to start to address some of the deeper foundational issues here. Mental health is a huge one. You know, mental health is absolutely huge. And if you want to keep your schools safe, I suggest you harden the schools. Because up until then, they are soft, appetizing targets for these kind of madmen. Well, we don't want our kids to go to school in prison. Your schools are already prisons, okay, in many ways. Prisons of the mind, if nothing else. But if you want, really want to protect the children and the children are your future, maybe you should harden the schools a little bit before you jump in beyond that. I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe you want to do that right there. That might be a better idea. All right. We're coming up on it. We got the break ahead. And then Willie Waffle will be joining us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oof. I'm ready. I'm ready for some, I'm ready for some entertainment and holiday cheer. Shall we get into it? Do something good? I think so. Let's uh, let's make it happen. Back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. What do we got here? Um, 
Old Ironside. Yeah, that's what you get, the old Ironside. Hoppy-scented sage to purge the evil spirits. I'm liking this a lot more. I'm wishing I'm helping this a lot more. Um, the governor's... Oh, this is... Donna trying to raise my blood pressure. The governor's first governor's the, the governor's first budget was 9.1 billion. This proposed budget is 14.1 billion, a 55% increase over six years. That's $19,000 for Alaska. Oh man. It's just no man. Um Jeannie says talking about the Pushwa. Uh, there's no resource for him to quote 40,000 gun deaths. Well, I mean, if you include suicides, sure. Uh, but no mention, she says, whoops, no mention of the 365 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests or the car crashes or the medical malpractice, the 800,000 incidents a year of medical malpractice or the 105,000 deaths due to alcohol or the... It's just, it's all BS. It's all politics. It's all about one thing, power. They don't like that we have the ability to push back. They don't like that we have the ability to uh, protect ourselves from their betterment, right? Because they know better than we how to, if we'd only get out of the way and let them do their job and take over our lives, things would be a lot simpler. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Are we being are we being served? Mm, that's a good that's a good question, isn't it? That's a good, good question. Okay. Oh man, I, I, I don't even I just don't even I don't even want to talk about it right now. I just don't even want to discuss it at this point. I'm ready to just I'm ready for vacation. I saw this budget this morning and my my uh, my my brain just went ding. I'm just thinking, you know, you produce a budget, he's try he's trying and here's the thing, God love him, but he's trying to have all the he's trying to to be all things to all people, right? He's still including the $3400 dividend, but with no way to pay for it, which immediately means that it's just going to be subsumed this, you know, there's a 980 something million dollar deficit in it. And where are they going to find it? Well, they just take it out of the PFD. It's no, it's not, it's, it's a no brainer for these guys. They don't care. They don't care about the, the, the private sector. They don't care about the public. They don't care about the PFD. They publicly stated that they want the PFD to go away. They think that money should be in their hands. So he's doing their job for them in some ways. I mean, if you wanted to be, he would, if he wanted to, if he really wanted to make the legislature work for it, he would have a budget that included some significant cuts. Maybe not back to his 2019 plan, but some significant cuts. But this is just kind of a wink and a nod and a nudge. That's all this is. A 55% increase in budget over six years. That's, that's. I mean, we're talking about, folks, we're talking about the difference of $5 billion. Now, we know the government grows at $150 million a year anyway, automatically. But five years, six years, 
almost a billion dollars a year in growth in state government. Just extrapolate that out in another five or ten years. I I just, you know, I, I... Okay, I'm going to stop talking about it. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Uh, Jacob sent me an email. Let me see if Jacob actually posted. Uh, he was putting, he was putting his, uh, he was looking for the page. He was putting his recipe up on the page. He said he couldn't find it. So could I, where, where was it? He was going to go show me. Um, I don't want most relevant. I want all comments. There we go. That's what I want. Got to make sure that you see all comments there. See if Jacob Sullum um, has got it up there as well. Uh, oh man, we got a few, a few extra ones, a few extra ones. Well, he's putting it up, but I don't see it yet. But it's coming. It's going to be there in just a few minutes, and that'll be uh, that'll be fun stuff. Make me some latke for the holiday season. All right. Um, oh baby. I am ready for Willie. Oh, I forgot to do the thing. Let me put the, let me, let me do this. Let me change this around real quick. We're 30 seconds out. The phone's about to, about to ring a ding a ding. And here we go. Up, oh, phone's buzzing. Let's get it done. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure that you like and share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff and the youtube things and add everything else. Let's get to it, shall we? Here we go. All right, we're ready. It's the final. Oh man, it's the final, the season finale of Willy Waffle. That too, that would just that'd be a cool name for a series. I don't know what we would do for the series. I mean, maybe it's the story of a disgruntled breakfast cook who slings, I don't know, waffles on the side. And then, you know, season finale, Willy Waffle, last show of the year. Hello, my friend. I want it to be a Larry David-esque, Curb Your Enthusiasm-esque program where you all see what I go through on a daily basis, man, I, I dealing I, with society. Why would you, why would you wish that on people, man? Why, why would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we got some, uh, we got a couple movies, but we got a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of news stories. The, for, the one I just had to, I just was cackling about it because I mean, seriously, you, I've been saying this to you forever and you go, yeah, yeah, I know. And that is that the the, the award shows are dead. The Golden Globes, Citizens' yeah. Choice, the Oscars, the Tonys. I mean, who, you know, I mean, I'm not. I don't mean to say who cares because this is the pinnacle of their business, and I understand that. But it's just not. It's just not a public spectacle anymore. Nobody cares. And now this story just proves it. You're telling me that no one wants to host the Golden Globes. Nobody wants the job, and and and, and I think you know. Yes, I you know. You're right. Award shows are dying. I think the fact that nobody wants to host the Golden Globes also comes along with the fact that the Golden Globes are the most scandal-ridden organization in the history of Hollywood, and it's just kind of run its course. I'm shocked, honestly shocked, that this program will even be on CBS on January 7th. 
you know, because, you know, they, they've always had kind of this, this reputation that you could buy off the Golden Globes. You want to win an award, there's a way to pay for it. Not pay for it outright, but, you know, kind of treat their voters to some special gifts right. and some favors, you know, some right. exciting contact and favor. Exactly. And then they had the whole. Uh, they had the whole outrage a couple years ago. Then it turns out like they had no white, they had no uh, no members who were not white. You know, and, and for an organization that's supposed to be around the globe with with foreign press, uh, you know, foreign press from all countries around the globe, and you know, surprise, surprise, not not all countries are white. You know? And so Shocking. that that hurt them a great deal. Hurt them a great deal. Uh, and I think people are just trying to stay away from the stank. So, you know, you, you, the rumor is they, they've tried to get Chris Rock to do it. And he's like, no way, man. You, you, Ali Wong, uh, who's a very funny comedian who was in the Netflix show uh, Beef. Uh, they've approached Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman. I mean, they're, they're going on down the list. Okay. It's only a matter of time before they call Mike and Willie. And, and we're going to be like, no, thank you. It's like, not interested. No, I've got some Netflix to watch that night. Sorry, not interested. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so I'll be interested. I mean, that you know, they they had the they had like they had they had a version of the show of of the awards. God, I want to say like two years ago, where they they got some comedian from out of nowhere who like was never heard from before and has never been heard from again. Uh, You know, they they were basically a streaming. uh, And I want to think, was it last year they basically just did like a a press conference and announced who won because they, they couldn't get the thing on TV or something. And and now here we are, CBS for whatever reason is taking a chance. Uh, you know, I mean, at this point, I, I you know they're probably going to have to tap some CBS star whose contract is up, and they'll be like, oh, we'd really love to have you host the Golden Globes. Oh, you want us to to re up your show for three more years and pay you a million dollars a year? Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, like I said, I mean, it just, you know, society has just changed and we've, we've tried to analyze exactly yeah. why that is. I mean, it used to be, you didn't have daily tweets or Instagrams from your favorite actors or whatever. I mean, it was, you know, they'd get caught in the paper or something like that. That was about it, you know? And so this was your exposure to them. But today it's like overload, man. You could find out what, you could find out what Hillary Swank had for lunch today. If you really wanted to go look at it and see, oh, you know, yeah. yeah, so. So it's it, it's the the shine is off the apple, so to speak. So, well, and and I'll even say I think that you know over the past twenty years and and the way the internet has grown and I think society has grown, it's been very transformative in the sense that people don't want anybody to tell them what to think. Uh, you know, and now on some levels they do, but I think in a lot of ways there are people who are like. I'm going to tell you what I think about this movie. I don't care what somebody else thinks about this movie. I don't care what some movie critic who I don't know thinks about it. I just want to have my own opinion. I know just as much as those people. And I think that's also contributed to the dwindling of the awards season uh, because it's, it's, it's not like, oh, let me find out what's really cool and I should go watch. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, no Golden Globes, big snore. Um, all right. Well, uh, Netflix has got a new move now. Uh, now, Bridgerton, the, ser- the season, I will say that Bridge- <laughs> the show Bridgerton has no socially redeeming values. Okay. It's kind of... <laughs> It's, you it's, know why people watch it. I know. You know why they watch like it. It's like trashy TV, but I mean, I, that you know, people are talking. I hear people talk. I've watched one episode. My wife wanted to watch it. And I watched one episode and I went, oh, okay. 
Um, I'm going to go upstairs and do something else because uh, it, you know, it was, <laughs> and uh, but but now Netflix is debuting their new power move, which is they've already done this once with Lucifer, which was just so irritating. But now they're doing it again. Now they're going to start splitting the seasons up. So they're going to give you half a season and then you got to take a break and then they're going to come up back and give you the other half. Now, part of this is because, you know, TV series these days on the streams. They're not like your normal run. I mean, I'm going back and I was watching, what was I watching? I can't remember. It was a series that I used to love. And man, there's like 20, 22 episodes a season. You know, now it's like eight episodes a season, maybe 10 if it's going real deep, you know? And so you don't get the same amount. And now they're going to split it on top of that. It's just, oh, come on, you're killing me. Well, and and they're also splitting it for a very, um, uh, how do I want to say, financial reason. Um, you know, they they have found, I, I think Netflix has outright said this, they had found that, you know, like when something like Stranger Things would premiere and they would drop all the episodes in, in one day, there would be people who would just get Netflix for one month and they would watch Stranger Things and they would unsubscribe and they would wait until Stranger Things came back. And so they're now trying to split that up. Well, if we split up the shows, we can make you get two months out of it because we'll give you half the season in one month and half the season in the other month. And that's, what's going to happen with Bridgerton. So, you know, season three is going to premiere their first four episodes on May 16th of next year. And then the last four episodes about a month later on June 13th, you know, and like you said, they did this with Witcher. They did this uh, with the crown. Uh, you know, I wanted, I think didn't they just do this with stranger things. The last episode. Or the oh, last, they may, uh, yeah, they may. The, yeah, the, yeah. I think they did. I, I, and I know for sure they're going to do it with the next one. So, you know, that that's kind of the play here. And, you know, they need to have that subscribership. They need to have that viewership because now Netflix is going to try is trying in many ways to move to an advertiser based platform right. where you will pay, you will pay less, but you will see the commercials and, you know, and if, if somebody's buying commercials, well, they got to know what they're buying. And that's why Netflix has been a little bit more open with data lately. Right. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying things like this. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of becoming, let's face it. Streaming is now becoming what cable became, but right. cable ticked us off, and that's why we got streaming. Right, exactly. Well, that takes yeah. us to our next story and final story is that Netflix <laughs> is coming clean about the numbers, right? I mean, they are being more transparent. All of a sudden, they decided in our efforts to be transparent here, let us show you what's going on. And they did it from January to June. They just laid out six months worth of numbers, and the numbers are pretty staggering. I mean, there is, I mean, hundreds and millions of hours being watched, and they tell you all about the stories. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, You know, and again, I think a lot of this is because they're trying to sell ads. So, you know, they're going to start doing this, this kind of this this data dump every six months. And and this one was January to June 2023. Uh, They had 18,214 titles uh, that are on the uh, that are on the uh, on the on the network on Netflix that covered 99 percent of all viewing. Now, here's the funny thing. They also revealed that about 20% of the titles that they have in the library, almost nobody watches. Wow. So, like, you know, I mean, and it's like, so you see these numbers. I mean, the numbers, I agree with you, are really fascinating. You know, what was the top program on Netflix in the first six months of 2023? 
the night agent, which was their really hot program. Uh, they had about 812 million hours of viewing, uh, you know, number two was like the season two of the Ginny and Georgia program that came in second. It had like 665.1 million hours. Wednesday, the series came in fourth, even though it came out around Thanksgiving last year. In, in 2023, it still had 507 million hours of viewing, uh, you know, and, and then they said, hey, here's another thing that's really kind of interesting. Of the viewership, Netflix said, their original programming was about 55% of the viewing time. The licensed programs are about 45%. So there is some value to them continuing to develop their own programming right. because it is getting viewership. Right, and they don't have to pay the licensing fees and they can continue to make money on it and everything else. Overall, there's something yeah. – it was it was several – it was a 6 billion hours watched, I think, is what the number was. Yeah, I think that's what it was, like 6 billion hours watched, yeah. Something amazing. In, in six months. In six yeah. months. Six billion hours. Oof, man. Yeah. Just think about it. That if you'd gone out and worked a job for minimum wage. Six billion hours. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy stuff. All right. Well, we'll crazy, see. But we'll, yeah. Yeah. And I would, I, I'll be honest with you. I would not have picked that. I like the night agent. I would not have picked it as the top program for the first six months. Yeah. Of the I was a little surprised too. Yeah. I was surprised at Ginny and Georgia. I mean, not yeah. that it's a bad program, but I I'm, was like, I, I never thought that that was that popular. I've never even heard of it. I never even saw it. I didn't even watch yeah. it, but you know, it's okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the movies. We got about uh, three and a half minutes here. We'll start off with chicken run Dawn of the nugget. Oh, could you realize the first chicken run came out like 23 years ago? We were just talking about yeah. this. We were just talking about this yesterday or day before Elf, that yeah. classic, which we think of as one of the latest Christmas uh, movies, came out 20 yep. years ago. 20 yeah. years ago. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. Oh, God, they never should have brought this one out at all. Oh, dear God. You know, it, it is on Netflix. It's it's a it's a Netflix movie. And uh, what we see is we've caught up with Ginger and Rocky years after they escaped the farm. They're now living in almost like a, a chicken hippie commune where all their chicken friends live as free rangers on this island. But the humans are finding them and taking the chickens someplace. And the chickens think they're being taken to some sort of adventure land. It's called Chicken Fun Land. And look. On the, on the truck that they take you in, you get to ride in this bucket. Oh, you don't want to ride in the bucket, people. <laughs> and that's what they discover. And now Ginger and Rocky are trying to break back into the farm to save their friends and someone very special, their own daughter. This is a, I mean, it was a pretty funny, the original one was pretty funny. Uh, Mel it was Gibson awesome. and stuff. It was great. Yes. How does this one compare? This one, it, it doesn't have the sarcasm, the underlying subtext. It doesn't have kind of the wittiness that, that the original had. This one is just very loud and boring. It's like a half-witted distraction. It's meant to like be the babysitter for your kids. Wow. Just put the little kids in front of the TV so you can go off and wrap Christmas presents. I mean, there's no great it's, – it's all slapstick action. There's no real great dialogue. You know, there's horrible cliches. I mean, you know, they've ruined the Rocky character. They've made him this, the, the, the typical put-upon dumb husband that, that we see everywhere we turn. I'm going like one waffle. For chicken run Donna the Nugget. 
And that feels like you're being generous at that point. Just to everything I you think just I said. Was. Everything you just said. <laughs> would you like to revise your answer, sir? Because it just. It's... Yeah, maybe I'll take it down to half. I'm taking it down to a half. A half, because you were like, "Oh, <laughs> this is the most dumb thing ever." All right, okay. So that takes us over to the new Timothy Chalamet movie, which is uh, Wonka. It's a prequel to the original Willy Wonka. Give me the rundown. Yeah, and it's supposed to be how did he become Willy Wonka? Like, how did he get started? And and you can't deny it is a magical looking movie. Uh, you know, just I, it just the 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 way it looks. You know, kind of the these chocolate creations that he makes a very almost like steampunk industrial age London that looks both beautiful and horrifying depending on if you're in the rich part of town or the poor part of town, right? Uh, you know, I I think that you know Chalamet is a little bit overboard with his portrayal. I, I think that you know there are times when he's kind of warm and kind and then it's almost like he feels he has to bring in this deranged angle uh from moment to moment and and overall i i just don't know if the kids are going to get this battle that he has the central plot line being that the evil chocolate cartel is trying to keep him down and stop him with their evil corporate evilness I don't know if kids are going to get that. I don't know if they, they can get that. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the. I've seen some of the rushes, and Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa sounds hysterical. But we're out of time. That's ne- good. Negative one to four waffles. Give it to me for Wonka. Two and a half waffles because it's undeniably cool to watch. Okay. All right. Well, I can I can live with that. I love that. Uh, nobody is Wonka but Gene Wilder. I'll say that no matter what. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. My friend, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. We will see you in 2024, okay? Oh, I'll be there with bells on. All right. Thank you so much, folks. Out of time. Monday, it's the beginning of the Christmas slide. We will see you then. All right, after show time, let's break it down. Give me this one. I mean, from start, you know, because I, I got to be honest, Willy Wonka is a movie that holds a special place in my heart. I watched yes. that thing. I had it on Betamax. Okay, let me date myself. I had that movie on <laughs> Betamax, and I watched it so many times. Grandpa Joe, you know, uh, Violet Beauregard, Mike TV. I mean, just the whole crew. And here's Gene Wilder just being, you know, he's he's comforting. Then he's creepy, then he's insane, and then he's back to being. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't know. It's just. It's. He is Willy Waffle. He is Willy Waffle. He is Willy Waffle. He is Willy Wonka. <laughs> you know, and and so that and then you watch. I like Johnny Depp, but you watch the Johnny Depp one, and I'm sorry, just the Tim Burton treatment of the Wonka world was just. It was too weird. Okay, I mean, it was just. It was just too weird. So I'm hoping that this can come back from something like that. Give me the give me the full rundown. I've had my I've said my piece. Give me your well, rundown here. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it. It's kind of in between Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the classic Willy Wonka. And uh, you know, I think Chalamet is trying to kind of pull in elements of both of those Willy Wonkas to mixed effects. Uh, you know, I think Gene Wilder was a lot more smooth and 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 I think picked his moments better to show more of a creepy side to Willy Wonka or a more frightening side to Willy Wonka. Here, I feel like Chalamet just kind of throws it out there uh, just to say, well, you know, we did that. Uh, so I think that part uh, doesn't work very well. Uh, you know, I, I, I like... I, I I'm with you. I think you Grant is as as the Oompa Loompa is hilarious. And and the, the story that they give to how he gets involved in Willy Wonka's life is the highlight 
of the movie and, and his <laughs> his appearances after that and and his his role after that is the highlight of the movie okay uh you know so that's very enjoyable uh you know there is a classic you know evil character that's that's trapped willy wonka in a horrible contract and and uh, you know willy wonka uses his brains and his 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 inventiveness to find ways to keep overcoming obstacles and that's fun to watch uh, you know, uh, you know, the supporting cast is OK. Uh, you know, uh, no one stands out in a massive, massive way, uh, you know, but I really just was kind of taken aback, like I said, about this whole story that, you know, essentially he wants to be the next great chocolatier. And and there is basically a, a chocolate cartel, these three major companies that all work together to keep everybody else out and keep everybody else down. And it gets, I think, a little bit dangerous for kids to be watching. I, I think that, you know, it, it gets a little bit, you know, ham-handed in, in, in its villainy, in its villainy. And, you know, I as an adult know that, oh, yeah, stuff like that happens with corporations. But kids don't. Kids right, right. Have. Maybe you got a little too, <laughs> maybe you got a little too deep in the, in the morass there with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it's entertaining. Like I said, I can't get over just how cool it looks, how magical it looks. I mean, it does look like another world. And that's what they, I think that's where they really put their bread and butter. That's where they really put all their, their interest and their energy and, and their, their money uh, to really create a wild world. And that is successful. Good. And then Hugh Grant steals the rest of the show is what you're saying. He really does. And, and the hilarious part is I've seen him do interviews about the movie where he just can't say enough bad things about how much he hated doing it. You know, he says, I had to wear one of those suits with all the plastic balls all over it. And it's hot and it's uncomfortable. And I can't believe I do this anymore. The only reason I'm acting anymore is because I have to feed my family. This is just a horrible profession. I'm thinking, dude, wow. this is not driving up to the price tag for your next contract. Wow, really? Okay. So he's just talking yeah. trash. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Well, some so, people, yeah. he's a little bitter after he got caught with a hooker. So, I mean, I guess that's just one of those things. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I don't think he's taking to aging very well. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. All right, my friend. Well, <laughs> um, good stuff. I appreciate it. I, I really wish you a Merry Christmas and a good time off. And Thank you. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in the new year, brother. Thanks so much. Hey. You got it. I will be thinking of you as the snow falls and I'm drinking my hot chocolate. Oh, man. The snow is falling here like crazy. You can you can catch oh, some. Yeah, baby. I'll give you some. I'll send you some here <laughs> in a box. All right. All right. Thanks, Willie. I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, folks. Uh, that's it. Uh, Monday, Christmas memories. Tuesday, Christmas memories. Wednesday, Mike Shower, Christmas memories. Tuesday, it'll be Brad Keithley and Chris Story with Christmas memories. We're just, we're just going to have fun. Just going to have fun. All right. I'm done. I'll see you guys on Monday.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.